Um, our Bible reading this morning is Psalm 46. It's to the choir master of the sons of Korah, according to Alamoth, a song. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the hearts of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains treble at its swelling. Sila. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The son of Jacob is our fortress. Sila. Good morning, High Wycombe Church. And uh, thank you very much for inviting us back. It's a delight to be here. And um, just to let you know that I've been called to Scots Church in Fremantle, so I'm very much looking forward to starting at Fremantle in November. So uh, after three years out of out of parish, as they say. I'm looking forward to, really looking forward to getting back into that. So, um, but great to be here today. And please have your Bibles, keep your Bibles open at Psalm 46, which was read so wonderfully to us just now. Psalm 46. And we'll be looking closely at that. I was watching the, the SBS News last night and they finished with a little segment about these hurricane hunters. Have you heard about them? Hurricane hunters. And I think... In America, where everyone seems to be, uh, you know, a slightly, uh, slightly nuts, thank you. Uh, maybe it wasn't the word that came to my mind, but uh, that will do. And uh, people, um, most people drive away from hurricanes, right? But uh, the hurricane hunters drive towards them to try to get as close as possible. And in the United States Air Force, they have a, a squadron devoted to flying into hurricanes. So they fly the aeroplanes into hurricanes to um, collect data so that they can work out the strength of the hurricane and where it's going to strike land and so on. So these are very brave people who fly into the hurricanes where most of us are flying away from them as far as we can. And as I think about the, the church and the future, I think it's fair to say we are facing one or two hurricanes, aren't we? 
one or two, we're, we're facing some pretty fierce headwinds and trials ahead of us. Uh, you might have heard just a couple of months ago that the ACT government forcibly took over the the uh, Catholic hospital in Canberra. So there was, uh, they passed legislation, they took the hospital away from the, the Catholic Church. It's no longer a Christian-based institution. And many people are saying that this is prob possibly the beginning of other such takeovers. Uh, so our uh, it, hospitals, nursing homes, schools, all kinds of institutions that have a, a religious heritage or mindset, whether Catholic or Protestant, uh, many are saying that these are possibly under threat. And as I talk to pastors who are planting churches, uh, they are saying it's more and more difficult to find land to get council approval to build churches. Councils don't want churches so much anymore. So we're, we're, we're seeing, seeing more of this. And those who are on campus find that it's, it's becoming increasingly difficult as uh, Christian students to, to maintain your, your outward Christian faith and witness. Uh, there, are, there, are some pretty, there is some pretty stiff opposition arising, and I think it's going to get a lot more severe. So our young people are going to have to really prepare for that. Well, that, that's, that's the world, the Christians, the Christian church facing the trials and difficulties that the world brings, but that's nothing new, is it? That's nothing new. We, as we read our Bibles, we see that the church has always faced opposition from the world. As we look at the history of the church, we see that the, the church has always faced opposition from the world. But that's not the only opposition, is it? Because the Bible tells us that behind this kind of opposition is a spiritual opposition, a spiritual enemy and foe. And the Bible teaches us not just to look at the surface of things, but to know and to understand that behind the things that we see happening in the world, there is a devil and he is, he is powerful, he is clever, he is devious, he is hateful and destructive, and he has what the Apostle Paul calls the rulers, the authorities, the cosmic powers over this present darkness, the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places, all of these spiritual, uh, wicked spiritual forces are against Christians and the church as well. And if we are not aware of that, that spiritual opposition, then we're in a very dangerous place, aren't we? because we need to be aware of it. We need to understand that that is there. We need to prepare ourselves for that as well. But there's yet more opposition to the Christian and to the church. And what's the third kind of opposition that we face? If we've talked about the opposition of the world, which, doesn't, which hates Christ and hates the ways of Christ, we have the devil and his demonic forces. And what's the third? Well, it, it's our own hearts, right? It's our own hearts. It's the, 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 the habits of sin and the old man and the, the uh, tendency to wickedness and evil, which is latent 
in our own hearts. And so we face fierce personal trials as well, temptations. As Christians, we face temptations, crises of faith, disappointments, sometimes betrayals, loneliness, ageing, sickness, ultimately death itself. So there's a lot in front of us, isn't there? There's a lot. Uh, uh, And as I said before, as Christians, if we're not aware of these dangers, then we're going to be knocked over by them. We need to be aware of them and we need to be prepared to face them. Because we don't want to face these trials and struggles, which every Christian has had to face through the ages. We don't want to face them with fear. We don't want to face them with a sense of anxiety. We don't want to face them with with complaining or lashing out. Because that's what we do sometimes, isn't it? When we're frightened, what do we do? We tend to, to lash out those around us. We don't want to face trials in those kinds of ways. Instead, we want to face them with a sense of of peace and security and even joy. And Psalm 46 teaches us to do that and how to do that. Psalm 46 teaches us in the face of trials, first, that we should be fearless. Look at, look at Psalm 46, and you'll see it's broken up into three sections, each section ending with that word, Selah. I'm glad it was read out in the reading. It's, it's, it's in the original, and it's a word that most probably means stop and think, stop and reflect on what you've just read. And so you'll see three times that word, Selah, appears, and breaking the psalm into three natural sections. The first section, verses one to three, teach us to face trials and opposition with fearlessness. The second section, between verses four and seven, teaches us to face trials and opposition with gladness. And the last section, verses eight to 11, teaches us to face trials and opposition with peace. So in the face of trials, be fearless, be glad, and be at peace. Heavenly Father, we we pray that your spirit will open our eyes and unblock our ears and soften our hearts to see, to understand, to receive what your living word is saying. We pray that you will uh, lead us to repent of uh, fear and lead us to to a great joy, a joyful trust and peace with our Lord Jesus. And we pray in his name. Amen. So let's look at it. Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in times of trouble. And so as we face trials and opposition, the church is not to, to look to its strength or for strength in its traditions, in the education of its ministers and leaders, 
It's not to look at its financial resources. It's not to look to its numbers. It's not to look to the, the memories and glory days of the past. In the face of trials and opposition, we are to look to God, to God himself. God is our refuge, says the psalm. He is our strength. He is our help. And the great preacher, Charles Spurgeon, he said all other refuges are refuges of lies. All other strength is weakness, he said. It's true, isn't it? God is to be our refuge. He is to be our strength. And it says here, Psalm 46 teaches us that he is not a distant strength. He's not helping us from a distant, but that distance, but that he is very present. More present than the troubles themselves. Think about that. He is more present than the troubles themselves. Therefore, and follow the logic of this psalm, if God is your refuge, and if he is very present, therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. The greatest peril that human beings face is the, 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 the breakdown, physically speaking, is the breakdown between land and sea. Because on the third day, God created dry land, didn't he? And he created that separation between the dry land and the oceans. And when that barrier breaks down, that is probably the greatest peril, physical peril, that human beings face. And some of us remember Hurricane Katrina in, in 2005, where New Orleans was devastated because that barrier between land and sea was broken. Or the Boxing Day tsunami in 2004, when 228,000 people perished in Indonesia because that barrier between land and sea was removed. And so Psalm 46 is, is saying, think of the worst possible catastrophe that human beings can face. It's when that barrier that God made between land and sea, when that's taken away, there's absolute desolation. And Psalm 46 is saying that even if that happens, even if, even if the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, even if the waters roar and foam, even if the very mountains tremble and are threatened by floodwaters, we will not fear. And so, my friends, if we see our government making foolish, harmful laws and laws which might attack Christian institutions, if we face the possible loss of career, or livelihood, or our homes, we will not fear. We will not fear. Or if war breaks out with China, and it might, we will not fear. Or if I'm diagnosed with cancer, or if something terrible happens to my family, or if I lose a dear friend, I will not fear because 
God is my refuge and strength. And he is very present. He's right there with us in these times of trouble. And I want to say to, to young people in particular, and it's, it's wonderful that we have so many young people in the church here. Young people, do you want to do great service to your church and to your community and your family in the years ahead? Do you want to be happy? Well, learn now not to fear man. Learn now not to fear people. Learn, not to be, learn now not to be a, a people pleaser. Learn now that the one person you should fear is God. He's, he's, the, he's the one who has your life in his hands. Your soul is in his hands. And if you want to be of great service to your family, your church, your community, then learn that lesson now. It's a hard lesson, but it's a vital lesson, and we need to get it into our bones at a young age before those fierce trials and challenges come. So that's the first thing. In the face of trials and challenges, be fearless. Don't fear. God is your refuge and strength. But the thing I love about Psalm 46 is it's not just, it doesn't just say negatively, don't be afraid. It says positively, be glad. <laughs> don't be afraid. Instead, be glad. Look at verses 4 to 7. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when the morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And Psalm 46 represents the church here as a city. And it's making us think of the church as the city, the city of Jerusalem. And what the sons of Korah say here is that if God's people are like a city, well, there is a river running through that city. And in the ancient world, if your city has a river running through it, then you are much, much more safe against invading armies or armies that might come and besiege you, and you are much safer against drought and famine. So a river running through your city is a source of protection and it's a source of life. And Psalm 46 says, if we think about God's people, if we think about the church as being like a city, well, this city has a river running through it. This city is a safe city. It's well protected against besieging enemies. It's well provided against drought and famine. It is well watered by a permanent 
stream of water. And what is that river? What is that river? Verse 5. God is in the midst of it. You see that? Verse 4. There's a river whose streams make glad the city of God. Verse 5. God is in the midst of her. God is likened to a stream of water flowing through the church, flowing through the community of his people. And so, although the nations might rage, verse 6, although the kingdoms might totter, God's people are safe. The life-giving God is in their midst. Now, I was listening to a wonderful podcast a couple of weeks ago. I wonder if anyone else listens to John Anderson's conversations. They're, they're pretty good, I think. John Anderson's... I think he talks about the same thing pretty much every time with different people. But, uh, uh, but th- th- this one I particularly enjoyed. It was with Dr. Andrew Browning, who works as a doctor in Africa. And uh, he, he's, he's about 50 years old. And he has worked as a doctor in some very harsh and dangerous places. Rwanda, Ethiopia, Tanzania. Uh, these, these places are tough, tough places to live. And John Anderson said to him, uh, Dr. Browning, you, you could have lived in the leafy suburbs of Melbourne with lovely cafes around you and restaurants and and your kids could have gone to the top schools and you've lived for 17 years so far in some of the harshest and most dangerous places on earth. How do you do it? How do you do it? Why do you do it? And Dr Browning said this. He said, we're told to love and we can't help but love when you've committed your life to Christ and know his forgiveness and his refreshing spirit. And I was particularly taken with that, those two words, the refreshing spirit of Christ. And what, what he was saying is that in a harsh and dangerous place, not only does Christ keep me safe, and not only does he provide for my needs, but he refreshes me. I delight to do the work I'm doing. I delight to be in those places because the spirit of Jesus is in me. And remember Jesus said in John chapter 7, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And he said this about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. My friends, what Psalm 46 is saying, and what Jesus said in John chapter 7, and what Dr. Andrew Browning testifies to, a man living in a very harsh and dangerous place, is that, as Christians, we have the Spirit of Christ in us. And his spirit is like a a spring of fresh living water that refreshes us. And so although the trials and the challenges come, not only will we face them without fear, but we will face them with a sense of 
of, of, of gladness, of joy. A joy that comes from the very presence of Jesus within us. We have the spirit of Christ in us. And so we can and must be glad, even in the face of troubles and trials. Remember Jesus said in, in the Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Now that happens, and I believe it's going to happen a lot more. Christians are going to be reviled, persecuted, be the object of false accusations on account of Jesus. And how does Jesus teach us to respond? He said, rejoice, he said. Rejoice, be glad. Because great is your reward in heaven. Don't just not be frightened, actually be glad. Be happy. Because that's evidence that Christ is in you. And we have his refreshing spirit through all of these trials. Thirdly, Psalm 46 teaches us, in the face of troubles, to be at peace. To be at peace. Look at verses 8 and 9. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow, shatters the spear, and burns the chariots with fire. And here the sons of Korah are saying to us, come and let's look together at, at, at the great desolations that God has brought upon the earth in times past. And this makes me think of Noah's flood. That was the big one, wasn't it? This makes me think of the ten plagues upon Egypt. This makes me think of the desolation of Jerusalem in the time of exile. So Psalm 46 is saying, think about what God has done in the past. When people have arrayed themselves against him and shaken their fist at him and disobeyed him and turned to false gods and false idols, what has God done in the past? Well, there was a great flood and there was a great devastation of the nation of Egypt and there was a great devastation of Judah and Jerusalem. The lesson is this, my friends. God destroys his enemies with ease, easily. That's the lesson. That's what we are to come and behold. Think about this, says Psalm 46. God defeats his enemies effortlessly. And in the end, he will bring peace on the earth. In the end, he will break the bow, shatter the spear, burn the chariots with fire. He will make wars cease to the ends of the earth. In other words, the day is coming when all of God's enemies will be brought to nothing, defeated and brought to nothing, and God's people will live in perfect peace and joy. That day is coming. Therefore, verse 10, 
Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. It's really important that we understand the logic of verse 10 and how it fits in with Psalm 46. What's it saying here, my friends? It's saying that although the world and the devil and all the powers and principalities, and although even our own hearts may stand against God and his ways, God will bring all of this to nothing. He will destroy his enemies and there will be perfect peace. Therefore, stop fighting him. Because that, 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 those two words, be still, it could just as well be translated, stop fighting. Stop fighting, says Psalm 46. It, it, it's saying to, to a world that, that, that is arrayed against God, stop fighting, you, you can't win. You can't beat God. He will break the bow and shatter the spear and bring peace on earth. Stop fighting him. It's suicidal to, to, to think that you, a creature, can overcome your creator and the living God who made this earth and everything in it and all the universe. Stop fighting. Be still. But it's also addressing me and you who might look to times of trouble and opposition and persecution. Now, let's, what happens? What happens, my friends, when we face troubles? What happens when people are mean to us? What happens when people, as Jesus said, revile us, persecute us, and falsely say all kinds of evil against us? What's our tendency? It's to get anxious, isn't it? A war breaks out in here, and we feel anxious and upset and uptight and worried, and what's going to happen? And this is so unfair and so unjust. And a war breaks out in our own spirit. And Psalm 46 is saying, not just to the world, but it's saying to you and to me, in the face of troubles, be still. Be still. Be at peace. Stop fighting. Be calm. Don't complain. Wait patiently and know that he is God. He is God. And he will be exalted, and he is with us. And this is the most wonderful and powerful part of Psalm 46, as far as I'm concerned. In the face of troubles and trials, and with that awful, awful tendency for a war to break out in my own spirit, which leaves me brittle and anxious, and I'm not sleeping so well, and I start to get short with those that I should be loving. Be still, says Psalm 46, 
and know that I am God. Well, as the trials come, how can we be frightened? If the Lord is on your side, if God is for us, what is, what, how does Paul finish that sentence? If God is for us, who can be against us? So don't be frightened. And instead, be refreshed by the Spirit of Christ who is in us and with us. There is a river that makes glad the city of God. And be at peace. Stop fighting. Be still. Be still. Calm. Because God is God. And he loves us. And he will bring all things out for his glory and for our good.